thank you for listening to Share the Load. I'm gonna do some of my um, quote-unquote ads at the top today, and I ask that you please not fast forward. We really do need your help to sustain this work. Even if some of these aren't fitting for you, I hope that you'll help spread the word. Today you're going to hear me and Quan Luo and Rebecca Ressler talk about our upcoming Embodied Boundaries Retreat in the LA area. That's July 28th and 29th from 10 to 6. I'm offering a Train the Trainer on the Yes to No Spectrum, June 12th through 16th. It's a five-day intensive, two hours a day from 10 to noon Pacific time, and that's a good one for therapists, coaches, uh, sex educators, um, life skills teachers, anyone who wants to bring the yes to no spectrum into their work, be able to teach it and help people develop skills uh, for how to really put it into practice. In July, I'm also offering what was the men's program last year and now is uh, Boundaries and Consent and Masculinity. Ari Simon is going to be joining me to do a session on grief and a session on masculinity. The Boundaries and Your Business two-part class is now recorded and available on Thinkific, as well as the six-part basics foundational class, my practice saying no class, nonverbals, and some pronoun practice, one class for family and friends, and one class for practitioners. Yoga with Rebecca will be virtual on June 14th. If you're looking for a little bit of luxurious self-care, uh, the link to Foria, uh, a CBD wellness brand, is in the show notes. And if you use that link, um, the podcast and consent wizardry, get 10% of whatever you purchase. And you can use the code MIAS20 for 20% off. That's a really wonderful way to help um, support what we do and get yourself a little something nice. Um, passive income is really crucial for this work because I do a lot of work for free, such as this podcast and the Instagram. Um, so I really count on some of that passive income, the recorded classes on Thinkific, which are also linked in the show notes, um, and classes to support this show and the, the surrounding work. Beyond that, free ways to help support are to take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You just heard Tennessee shaking her collar. Um, Rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us um, with search engine optimization within podcast apps. Um, And again, that's just a way to help spread the word. Uh, I really do want this to reach as far as it possibly can, and I hope that you do as well. The last thing that I will say is that I offer workshops um, on my own. I offer workshops uh, that are tailored to particular groups. So if you work in an office um, where you think that this kind of work would be really beneficial, um, let them know. Send my website, consentwizardry.com, to your HR department. We are offering um, professional wellness consulting uh, with various people who've been on the show. Um, Umu, Minachi, Layla, Dr. John, um, uh, several other people who do amazing work. Um, We put together a team that fits the needs of your group. Um, I can also be hired separately to speak or to run a workshop or to consult. Um, 
you can either email me mia at sharetheloadinc.com or you can book me through sean at collectivespeakers.com that's s-e-a-n and please consider subscribing to the newsletter so you can stay up to date with what's going on. Um, that's consentwizardry.com slash newsletter. Um, and another free way to help support is to forward that email to people who you think would benefit from the content that's inside. Um, really, whatever you can do to help spread the word is greatly appreciated. And if you have questions that you want answered on the podcast, email them in written or voice note form to podcast at sharetheloadinc.com. Before we get started, I want to let you all know that we discuss a show that MI was on on Fuse TV called Upcycle Nation, and we do spoil it in this episode. So if you want to watch that show and experience it, for the first time without knowing what happens, uh, do watch it first and then come back. Welcome back to Share the Load. I'm your host, Mia Schachter, and today I'm talking to Quan and Rebecca, and I'll let you both introduce yourselves. Quan, do you want to start? Sure, yeah. Thanks, Mia. Uh, my name is Quan, and I use she, her pronouns, and I am a mindfulness teacher, as well as teaching Buddhist meditation, in both in retreat centers, as well as in wild nature. Um, when I'm not teaching mindfulness, I mostly uh, spend a lot of time outdoors in nature, teaching primitive skills and survival skills um, and all that sorts. So it's very happy to be here. Cool. Thank you. Rebecca? Uh, so my name is Rebecca Rose. I use they and she pronouns, and I, I just I wear a lot of hats. Um, but I am a visual artist, I'm a muralist, uh, I'm a yoga teacher, I'm a consent educator, and um, when I'm not doing all that, I also work at a nonprofit. So, um, you know, busy bee, and I find a lot of joy in the, the leopard, leopard gecko that I have been long-term pet sitting. So when I'm not doing that, I'm just staring at my gecko. Amazing. This is the first I've heard of this gecko. Cool. <laughs> um, well, so today we're, uh, the three of us are together today specifically because we're hosting a retreat together at the end of July, um, an embodied boundaries retreat. That's July 28th and 29th from 10 to 6 p.m. in Glendale, California, which is just north of Los Angeles in L.A. County. Um, 
And so I wanted to ask a few questions and have you all talk about what you do and how this work and this material has impacted you. Um, so I'll start by asking, uh, what drew you to this work? Like, when did you know, oh, consent, like, that's it. That, that's what I need right now. And perhaps you can also give a little bit of context to that as far as like what was going on at the time for you when maybe the light bulb, that light bulb went off. I can, I can go first. So I feel like it was just like an immediate yes, I think. Cause I, I like, I identify as a forever student. I love learning. I love studying mindfulness, social justice, all of the things. Um, and then I think I saw an ad for one of your classes, Mia, about like, it was just a consent class, six weeks. And I saw the description and the yes to no spectrum. And I like, didn't have to think about it. It was the embodied, like, yes, that is what I'm looking for. This is an interest of, of mine. Um, and I was at a Halloween party when I, <laughs> when I discovered it and I was like, this is going to be a thing. And then it's been, a <laughs> it's been a thing for multiple years now. I, um, yeah, I'm like, okay. I forgot the first part of the question or the second part of the question. Yeah. What was kind of going on in your life at the time that kind of like led to that being the choice? Yeah, I was finishing school or I had just finished school and I was looking for work and kind of just like not doing great financially and not feeling particularly great about um, the, my prospects. Um, but knowing that like I am a teacher, I am an artist and I am going in that direction. And it just like I took one course about consent and I was like this is it this is like the intersection of all of my interests and I feel like learning how to like say yes to the right things and say no to the right things um was really impactful for me because I feel like my life did like a 180 from feeling like I had no prospects at all to suddenly like having financial stability and like dare I even say abundance I don't know I feel like <laughs> it's been coming in so it's um I don't know it's really just changed my life a lot cool oh that's so cool I never have never heard that Rebecca it's awesome and I relate to that in in a piece especially around there's a naturalness to wanting to dive into consent um because I have been a long-time meditation practitioner for many, many years before I came across consent and consent education probably two years ago. And at that time, mindfulness, this, this act of or this practice of paying attention to me was so central to my life. And then noticing, and I immediately just thought consent has a lot in common with mindfulness. It's the same type of noticing, um, same type of noticing of what's happening internally that helped me decide, is that a yes or is that a no? Or is that the same type of noticing that hesitation that makes me like, oh, wait, wait a minute. Like, I don't maybe want to say yes right now. Maybe I don't really want to commit to that. Um, 
And that sort of developing of self-awareness and then using consent as a also work with that sort of like ethical decision-making framework really made a lot of sense and also was really aligned to my already pretty established Buddhist practice. And so um, so that was a huge sort of just an add-on to what I already know and what I was already was practicing. And the other aspect um, that drew me to look more and study more deeply into the consent framework is actually through nature. Um, I came across a lot of nature-based practices and I've done retreats and done, I just loved outdoors for a long time. And at that time was, you know, hearing a lot of land acknowledgements and then also reading a lot about honorable harvest, uh, robbing or kimmer and all of that practices. Um, a lot of communities, whether indigenous or not already have with this relationship with land was very interesting. I was like, oh, you know, when we go out for a harvest and we like to ask to see if the plant would like to be harvested. And that was kind of a moment for me to also shift my mindset. It's like, oh, if I would, if I can ask permission for the plant and I can listen to the answer, it would make so much more sense to do that with people. Um, and so I sort of also come into consent with the hope to learn more through this practice with other people and how I can like bring it back to the modern human world, to how do we do consent practices with beings that don't speak our language like that that has since especially after the consent educator training has become quite of a fascination so yeah that's so cool i you know hearing you say like the more than human world and beings that don't speak our language like i think of the body you know the body communicates in a language that is not what we speak cognitively um, and as you both know, like a lot of my work and focus in this realm is consent with self, um, and learning to understand those cues, which I think you're totally right. Quan is a mindfulness practice. Rebecca, I don't know if you mentioned that you're also a yoga instructor. Did you say that? I feel like I said it, but I think it takes me a second to warm up whenever I do these things. So my head goes like a little empty. Uh, and I just want to say how grounding your voice is for me. Um, Kwan, like I, <laughs> I'm just like, ah, yes, mindfulness, I feel it. Um, yes, I'm a yoga teacher. I do trauma-informed yoga. I have for many years, and I often say to my students, um, you know, part of our yoga practice is learning how to speak the body's language or to understand the body's language, which I will typically say is sensation. That's how it communicates. Um, and so consent really fit naturally into to my yoga practice because I, I'm like, that's just what yoga is. That's just what mindfulness is. It's all the same thing. It's just depending on like what lens are we looking at it through today. Yeah. That's great. I love how you put that. Um, I'm curious how both of you have used these concepts in your work in if you can give some like concrete examples. 
Um, I taught a, so I did a watercolor class the other, I've been doing like a paint night. Um, and I really situated in like mindfulness and consent in that I'm like, I really just encourage people to do whatever feels good. And some people like it, some people don't because they want more structure and they want, like people will be expecting like a paint and sip where I like do you do it step by step and I'm like nah like just put some water on the paper and see how it feels and maybe you just want to paint circles the whole time maybe you know you want to do something else but it's just like kind of looking in for that feeling of like is this working is it not working and then um, I had a really fun moment at the last one I did because uh, I like to encourage everyone to share at the end um, and it's really hard, I think, to get people to feel comfortable saying no, even if you're like, sharing is optional. So, <laughs> and I don't know if this is really like, <laughs> I still told everyone to do this, but I made everyone say no to me as a group. Just like, I was like, let's just practice. And I was like, everyone stand up. And then like, but you're going to say no. And then everyone just like yelled no at me. And I was just so happy. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. And I think about what, you, what how important that is to practice that, to practice saying no, and also in a safe environment. Actually, that's how we grow our skills, is to be comfortable and feel safe. And then with people that we are willing to be vulnerable with and try to practice that. And for me, it's very similar in a sense of in a guided mindfulness session or in the day-to-day interaction with especially people I feel comfortable with I often try to teach consent concepts um, and then through practice with each other it's like tell me something and then I notice something you are likely to say no to but I'm just going to say to you I'm going to I'm going to ask a request and you're going to say no and just notice how that feels and I think through time no becomes easier to embody. This is the body's message or there is less delay between the somatics and then the cognition. And, um, and I think about that, like if I'm more tuning to my own no, I feel I'm more tuned to other people's no. And I become an advocate for other people when, especially if they're in a disempowered position or they're power below, in the sense that I may say it, like I would try to, I think that's actually a practice I picked up from you, Mia, about try to make saying no very easy for other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And especially when I am in power as a teacher, as a guide in wilderness or in class settings. And how can I make it easy for other people to say no? Um, And how do I help others get in touch with their own spectrum? And what's really interesting is, you know, even a lot of the times when you ask me something and how do I really feel about this? My immediate answer would be like, I don't know. You know, Mm. there's like a whole, it's still a whole range of depth and nuances that I can dive deeper and deeper into. So it feels like I just barely scratched the surface and I'm giving something, offering something back to other people. And so they may scratch a little bit of their surface, but we're all just experiencing our own bodies and, and changes all the time. You know, my no was, was maybe a yesterday, and that is um, 
yeah, it's kind of interesting to watch and to follow and to have this non-judgmental relationship with it. So mm, mm-hmm. yeah, just, I think it's very fluid and in and outs of mindfulness practice, in and outs of you know, being out in nature. Yeah, so many of like the words that you're using, like fluid and um, scratching the surface and it's it's very cool to hear because I think there's like, you know, there's like ways that I think I talk about this work where I repeat the same things over and over again, you know, and then it's really cool when people kind of take it and like put it in their own words. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's a great new way to to explain that or describe that. Um, and it's also just incredible, like, you know, hearing the ways that like you two have taken what I've shared and really made it your own and then shared it with countless other people. Um, one of my main goals in like starting this work before I even started this work, when I was learning about it, I knew immediately, like in the first class about it, I was like, this is my jam. (laughs) And like, this is what I want to go deeper into. And I knew that my goal was going to be to make it as widely accessible as possible. Um, and I also knew that I had that like one of my skills was kind of like describing really complex concepts in, in like pretty digestible ways, like kind of distilling them and then explaining them in a way that was like easier to understand. And so that was, I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Um, that was even before the pandemic. And that was before I started the Instagram account. It didn't even occur to me to put it on social media for another, I don't know, year and a half or so. Um, but you know, it's like moments like this, like hearing other people talk about what they're now doing with, with it that I'm like, wow, okay. Like I'm doing it. I'm doing what I said I was going to do. It's happening. It's very cool. (laughs) Um, I am wondering about this idea of um, bringing it into the body. Cause I think that there's like, there's a way that, um, you know, I think when I'm teaching, I'm generally, I, I'm a writer, but I'm also a visual learner. So you've seen, like I make diagrams to explain things. I enjoy doing that. I'm also like, I have a background in visual arts. So like, that's fun for me. Um, most of the content is written. I feel very comfortable in that space. And for me, bringing it into the body was, um, really the result of, of illness. It was the result of like having to, um, well, of getting my five diagnoses from a doctor at the same time that I started training to be an intimacy coordinator. And so as I was healing my body, I was learning about consent and they became totally interwoven for me. So I was not being taught somatic consent um, or, you know, consent in a, I recently learned that there's a someone whose company name is somatic consent, even though that's just like a concept. So I'm trying to just make sure that I'm, you know, 
consent, a somatic approach to consent is not trademarked or like owned by anybody, but there is like this thing called somatic consent that is this one person's company. But anyway, um, I was not being taught consent in a somatic way uh, necessarily, but what was happening was that I was in the process of repairing my relationship with my body because it had learned that I was going to ignore it or tell it to shut up. And so it just screamed louder at me for years on end. Um, and then, as you both know, I got a tapeworm and then that became like its whole own saga. But, um, but interestingly, you know, through mindfulness practices and like dealing with illness and then what was starting to look like recovery and then what I thought was a recurrence of illness, but was in fact a new invasive species, I was, I have learned how to speak to my body in a way that I'm so grateful for. I would never wish what I've dealt with on anybody and like wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> you know, you can learn these things without getting a worm, but, but um, it has become part of how I do this work and so incredibly important to how I think this work really takes hold. It's one thing to think it or to read it. And it's another thing to embody it. So I'm curious how each of your different practices and lines of work, um, multifaceted lines of work, uh, like what your approaches are to bringing it into the body. Yeah, I would say uh, I was very inspired. I attended a workshop with uh, Betty Martin um, and something that she said really struck me and um, that's about noticing. And um, she said something around when we use the language of noticing, it means it implies a thing that we are going to notice is already there. And there's no need to like figure it out. So it's not a cognitive process. And so I've been thinking a lot about that since I heard that. And I think, you know, in a way, working with the body is to pay attention and to allow what's already there to come to the surface rather than like a top down using my my mind or my brain to really figure out what it needs. Like what it needs is already there. And I am just learning. I'm just a, a little bit step slower to like listen for it. And I think that has just have a shift in my own approach to teaching consent, teaching mindfulness. It's like, oh, you know, what are you noticing? And your desire, your yes and your no is already there, kind of. It's, there is a very natural, intuitive um, way it shows up. And I think just through conditioning, through many ways we've been taught and trained and moved through the world, we sort of are very, mm, a bit more deaf to that. And so we're just learning to, to like really tune in. So that helps me to develop a very much more of a kind approach. It's like, it's already there. And I've sort of lost the practice and, you know, now practicing just makes me feel like I'm coming home and practicing is returning to something that I know innately how to do and have lost, you know, through many years of moving through 
this very modern society that has its own way of operating. So yeah, that's what it brought up for me. Juan, that's so poetic. I'm, I hope you're writing all of this. <laughs> like, I hope you keep track of this. It's really beautiful. You just reminded me of all the the inner child work that it brings up, which I'm like, my dreams lately have been like, you need to take care of your inner child. You're not doing that. And then you just like brought it to the forefront of my mind again. Um, and I think last time I came on the podcast with Mia, we talked about like the goal of yoga, mindfulness, Ayurveda, whatever version of it you want to talk about is like returning to that childlike state like before we were corrupted by all of our trauma um and by just like the hardships of life like we knew exactly how we felt we knew exactly what we wanted and we weren't apologizing about it like a baby doesn't hesitate to cry when it is hungry when it needs attention when it needs all these things but we will hesitate um yeah, so that <laughs> that is part of it. Um, there was something else I wanted to say, but maybe we'll come back. <laughs> While you were thinking on it, I, it really just also reminded me of this um, idea sort of through a lot of different movement school. Some, some would say, you know, animals, they don't do the same movement that hurt them. You know, this like only us like as a species we somehow repeatedly move in a way that really hurts us and that also is another just way of like wait a minute oh yes that that statement is true you know if i think about babies and i think about you know other animals if a way that the body their body move that hurts them they stop moving that way they sort of move in a different way and that is such an innate, like, oh, no, that's painful. Like, I'm going to move away mm. from that. And somehow, yeah, we've become, as we grow older, so used to carry the pain and sort of reinforcing a pattern that has brought pain. Yeah, wow. Um, you know, you're both reminding me of, this is also, I'm like, I'm writing a musical, and I was applying for a grant earlier today. And, you know, Kwan, you're talking about this, like, sort of homecoming. The finale of my musical is a song called I Can't Go Home. And it's me and the tapeworm singing a duet because I'm stranded in New York and I can't go home to L.A. And we both, you know, the tapeworm was just evicted from my body. And so we're both singing, I can't go home. When can I call this body a home? And I just keep getting these like messages about home that just sort of like get this, this metaphor in this song is almost like accruing meaning like all the time. It's really cool. Um, and then Rebecca, when you were talking about um, the, the, like, you know, that babies just know what they want. Um, I have another line in the song that's I, I want to want a cookie like I did when I was six years old. And it's like asking for a return to that kind of just like, I, I know what I want and I'm not bringing in all these sort of like 
secondary and tertiary concerns of like, well, did I already have too much sugar today? Or like, what happens if I eat the cookie? It's just like, I want the cookie, so I'm going to eat the cookie. I'm like, what does that feel like? Um, anyway, I'm working on putting the musical out there in the world. So I'm going to think about whether or not I want to attach the demo to the end of this podcast just to, to force myself to, um, to share it a little bit. I don't know. Maybe I'll decide later. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, well, so what will you each be doing on the retreat? What are you offering? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. It feels like such a good opportunity to combine somatics and really dive into the topics we've talked about like on a podcast today, like coming home to the body. And coming home for me really had this wider meaning of coming home to nature. You know, we depended on it. Our our generation, our future really depends on this more than human world. Um, and so, yeah, for for me, I'm offering a practice on noticing. And we talk so much about noticing and what is it like to notice various parts of the body, how it responds to different questions. And and I think what it's interesting about noticing after, and I, Mia, you touched on that, it was, it was about trusting that noticing. Because we can notice something, but we'd be like, second guess it. And then all of a sudden we're back to ground zero. And so, yeah, so just a practice on noticing and trusting what we've noticed and know like how do we discern that this is true it's valid and it has its own place it's worth it's it's worthy um and then uh the second piece of my offering would be around how do we practice consent with the modern human world you know what's it like to to hear or to ask or to request something of a being that doesn't speak our language and what is it like to receive a no? What is it like to receive a yes? And how do we proceed and build this relationship? And in my own practice, that has really changed how I move through the world, especially move through the natural world. And so much of that um, honorable harvest that I was reading before now become much more of an embodied practice. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to weave all that in and practice in this community in this safe vulnerable container cool beautiful i'm excited because i just feel like the what i'm offering is going to be a really nice complement to what both of you are offering and i'm noticing a desire to be all the things and then the next thought is like, but I don't have to be, and that's great. Um, so first thing I'm offering is movement. So I'll do, we'll do yoga together to help just like get into the body a little more because the practice of noticing, um, you know, can be hard when the body is really stiff. Uh, so we'll do movement um, just to get a little more comfortable with the body and you know, it's always situated in consent and in being trauma-informed. So if movement isn't the thing for you, you can always opt out of it. Um, lying down is a great way to practice yoga. 
Uh, so we'll do that. And then uh, I'll, I'll also be doing like a visual arts practice. So I'll bring um, a little variety of materials to choose from and do some guided practice, like just like orienting towards the utensil you've chosen. How does it feel in your hand? How does it feel to make different types of marks? And noticing like the thoughts uh, and sensations that come up in that practice and then choosing the thing that feels good. Or if it's feeling bad, like asking yourself why. So a lot of the times with art, and um, I'll hear this a lot where people will say like, I'm not an artist. Someone told me when I was a kid that I couldn't draw. And like um, noticing like that, that voice and that belief is not yours. Uh, a teacher that I work with a lot, he'll say, a four-year-old you, five-year-old you would have gone wild with a box of crayons drawn on the table, drawn on the walls, all over the place. So trying to get to that point where even if you don't feel fully comfortable creating something, um, giving yourself permission just to like explore and be bad at it, and notice like whose voice is this mine or mine or someone else's yeah i've heard that also about singing that like everyone has a story of being told that they can't sing including and this blows my mind lizzo <laughs> lizzo thought she couldn't sing so she learned to rap and like lizzo has one of the best voices i think out there of all time um, I certainly have a story of being told I couldn't sing, and turns out that's it's not true. Um, but also, I think what you're talking about makes me just at least want to touch on um, the link between consent and creativity. And I think you're getting at it. And I think both of you have sort of mentioned this idea of like learning these things and practicing these things in a safe environment. And very often, what I've found is that a lot of consent work and like building a consent practice is about cultivating that safe environment within your body so that you move with it everywhere. Um, and that's not to say that you don't end up encountering danger or in dangerous situations or unsafe situations. But if that sort of center of gravity, that center of safety is within you, um, that creates the conditions in which creativity can really come because you know you're not consumed by your inner critic and imposter syndrome and you're not consumed by fear so you get to try and fail and like make things that are quote unquote bad and just be like well you know that's a thing I made and not be like oh I'm bad or like I'm bad at this um I've gotten that feedback over and over from people. It's really incredible that like learning about consent has opened up sort of like channels for creativity. It's, it's pretty amazing. And that's what that, the class that I'm teaching right now unblocked is really about. So I'm excited that you're going to be offering practical skills for that. Um, I guess it's time for me to share my offerings. I'm going to be doing my, um, the yes to no spectrum class. So the practice saying no class that I do where we'll go over the yes to no spectrum and then do a bunch of 
practice exercises saying no and saying yes and feeling the difference and then getting really specific about what it is that you're going to do. Um, and then I'm going to do the nonverbals class, which um, we'll go over kind of some vocab and then we'll practice with, with each of the nonverbal concepts, um, getting them into the body with a couple different exercises. Um, one is a sort of like mirroring game and another is kind of like a reflective listening exercise. So those are my two classes that I'm going to be doing. Um, so let's see. Uh, okay. So again, this retreat is July 28th and 29th, 10 to 6 PM each day in Glendale, California, which is just North of LA, LA city, but it's in LA County. Uh, it's going to be at a park outside. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can sign, I'll put the link in the show notes and you can sign up there. There's 20 spots. Um, and I guess all that's really left here is, can you both share where people can find you and anything else that you would want to plug that maybe you have going on on your own? Oh, yeah. Um, you can find me on my website, kwanluo.com. It's K-U-A-N-L-U-O.com. And one thing I'm really excited to upcoming that I would like to share is I'm co-facilitating uh, also a 90-minute workshop um, with a coach on discovering patterns that influence thinking. So how do we free ourselves from over the overthinking mind, the thinking that's stressful, to the thinking that is creative. So that is going to be a mindful approach for non-meditators. So yeah, I'm excited for that. Sign me up. I'm down. <laughs> um, so I have to be honest, my social media presence is all over the place. <laughs> but uh, I have a website. So it's RebeccaRoseArt.com. Uh, and then... Instagram for art is Rebecca Rose underscore art. And then my consent page is everyday moments. There's a period in the middle and there's a bunch of R's. Um, but I haven't been very good about posting on there. But if you find me on one of my accounts, I will be available. And I, you know, I'm realizing I don't have a lot of offerings coming up. I just went through a whole bunch of offerings. I feel like I'm actually taking maybe the next month or so to kind of chill, going to Joshua Tree, going to go lie down on a rock and listen to my body. Um, and uh, I just say, I guess, oh, you know what? I do have one. We're doing a yoga class on Zoom. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Zoom yoga was, a, I think it's June 14th. Uh, yeah through share the load so if you want to you know practice with me then please come through it's sliding scale pricing so pretty affordable and yeah it'll be a good time great i am offering a train the trainer on the yes to no spectrum that's a five-day intensive two hours each day june uh 12th to 16th um so that's for anyone who wants to bring those concepts and that framework into the work that you already do. It's really good for therapists and body workers and practitioners of all kinds and coaches. 
Um, and then in July, I'm offering, again, I did it last summer, um, a nine-week program on boundaries and consent and masculinity for mask-identifying people. Um, and I'm going to have a, a guest teacher for two of those sessions, Ari Simon, who's going to do a section on grief and a section on masculinity. Um, yeah, I guess that's it for me. Uh, you all know where to find me at consent.wizardry and consentwizardry.com. All right, y'all. Well, thanks. Uh, and I'll see you um, in, a, in a couple months. See you then. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Rebecca is now going to guide us through a little short meditation. Okay, so we'll just take a moment to come into our bodies and to notice our breath and just get a, a little more grounded. So you can start by closing your eyes if that feels good and just noticing the, the surface that you're sitting on, if you're sitting or if you're standing, like whatever part of your body is connecting down and supporting you. Kind of let your awareness land there for a moment. Letting your breath slow down. And as you feel the support of your seat or the support of the floor, see if you can sit up a little taller, just kind of lifting up in the chest, softening in the shoulders. If you feel the urge to move a little, maybe a shoulder roll or swaying of the head, you know, allowing that movement to happen, not feeling too restrictive. And then we'll just take three deep breaths together. So take a nice deep inhale in through your nose, fill up your lungs. And then you can open your mouth and exhale and just. And do that again. Deep inhale. Pause at the top. See if you can sip in a little bit more air. Hold it for a moment. And then big exhale. And one more time. Breathing in. Same as before. Pause at the top. Sip in a little bit more air. Hold it. And this one, let it go with a sigh. Just. Oh. Noticing how that feels in your body. Are you continuing to breathe or take little wiggles if you feel like you need them? And no matter how you feel in your body right now, no matter how you feel right, in your mind, whatever that landscape is like, give yourself permission just to be exactly the way you are and trust that there's nothing about you or this moment that needs to change or should be different. When you feel ready, you can blink your eyes open reorient to the space, looking around, maybe placing a hand on the heart, 
and closing out your practice in whatever way feels authentic to you. Thank you for allowing me to be your guide. And so it is. Thank you for listening. Please write a review, subscribe, and share the show. See you next time.